a funny thing was happening for a few months. I was going to get gas in my little white car, and I'm going to get gas, and I'm at the point of my gas station experience, right, where I put the card in, I'm ready to pay, and I take out the pump, and I put it in my car. So I put it in my car, but as you all know, it's cold in Flagstaff, right? So I'm not going to stand outside while I wait for to get gas, right? I'm going to go back inside my car. So I'm getting gas, and I'm putting it in my pump. But for months, I'm getting so frustrated because I have to put it in my car and then step over the thing to get back into my car. And I'm, like, frustrated, and I'm like, who invented the gas station? Why did they think this was a good idea to put it on this side? Like, I have to step over it, and every time I'm like, and I have to go back inside my car, and I'm getting frustrated and fed up for months. And then at this point, you're probably wondering, why did they give this girl a microphone, right? So I'm getting gas, and I'm frustrated, and I'm like, who invented the gas station? I need to talk to them, because if I had invented it, I would have made it completely different, right? I would have done it a lot better. So I'm just doing this for months, and then one day, I'm getting gas, and I realize that I've been doing it backwards. I'm like, if I just switched my hands and positioned myself on this side, right, then I wouldn't have to step over it and I could go happily inside my car. And I tell you this story for the significance of your position. Because if I just positioned myself, I spent so much time blaming the creator of the gas station. And we do that same thing with God. God, why am I in this situation? Why am I in this season of life? Why is this happening to me? Why are my children doing these same mistakes? Why is this happening? Why am I here? And we blame God, but if we just positioned ourselves. And this morning, I want to talk to you not about your physical position, but I want to talk to you about your mental position, how to position your perspective. Somebody say perspective. Because no matter what season you're in, no matter what struggle you find yourself in today, I want you to know and walk away that it will be used for God's glory. That our story is for God's glory. That there is purpose in the pain. That it will come a time where it will be used to advance the gospel. It's not just for anything, but it truly is for his glory. And that there's purpose in it. So today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. So as you get out your Bibles, we are note-taking church, right? The title of this message is Position Your Perspective. Now, if you don't know the context, the context of this Bible verse really makes it even more powerful than it is because this book was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was very strategic because he knew he had one of his top goals was to go to Rome to preach the gospel because there was so much commerce, right, so much influence coming out of Rome that he knew if he could just get to Rome to preach the gospel that he could influence a big portion of the world. So his big dream is to go to Rome to preach. And he does get to Rome, but not as a preacher. He actually gets there as a prisoner, In fact, he's writing this letter under 24-hour surveillance tied to a Roman guard waiting his trial day after day, month after month goes by. He could have been incredibly anxious, right? He could have been incredibly fearful. But I want you to listen. He writes in this context, sitting 
in a Roman prison, he writes, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Then he sounds like your mom because if you didn't hear it the first time, I'm going to say it again, right? I'll say it again, rejoice. At a place where he could have been overwhelmed, where he could have been extremely fearful with tension and fear and breathlessness, he says, rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, this is an amazing verse for a coffee mug, right? This is an amazing verse to put on a t-shirt, an amazing verse to tell your friends when they're going through a really hard time, right? But I don't know about you, but I hate when someone says this to me when I'm going through a difficult season. When I get a flat tire on the side of the road and someone says, oh, just rejoice in the Lord always. I'm like, really? Really, Paul? Rejoice in the Lord always? Under all circumstances? Rejoice when you find out your spouse has been lying to you? Rejoice when you find out your best friend has betrayed you? Rejoice when your child is making horrible decisions? Rejoice when the anxiety at night feels so real that you can't get up in the morning? Rejoice then, Paul? Over that context, awaiting his judgment, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And then the Bible verse goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. He talks about anxiety. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Everybody say rejoice. How could Paul rejoice when he's locked up? How could he rejoice and praise God when he wanted to be a preacher, but he goes to bed as a prisoner? The answer is it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And what does perspective even mean? It very simply means how you look at something. How you look at something. Because, in other words, two different people can look at the same situation and see it with two completely different, oh, I need to work with you guys, come on, two completely different perspectives, right, we can see it with different perspectives, and I want to talk to you about that this morning, because the Apostle Paul could have looked at his situation at face value and said, this is really bad, I'm in prison. This is awful. This is horrible. I can't function. My ministry's over. My dreams are crushed. But that's not what Paul said. Because Paul positioned himself to have a perspective of praise. And this is what he said. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You can look at your situation and you can say, this is not good. This is not bad. This isn't what I thought it would be. But then you realize that my God will never leave me. Amen? That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That our God will never forsake us. See, what has actually happened to me 
has served to advance the gospel. In other words, Paul said, for a long time, they thought I was their prisoner. But they didn't realize that they were locking me up to some of the most influential Roman guards for eight hours at a day to preach the gospel to them. Amen? Who's the real prisoner now? Because he was put in this position and he positioned her perspective to say this is going to advance the gospel. It doesn't look good for me. It's not really how I think it should be going. But it will be used for the gospel. Someone say it's all about perspective. You can look at the same situation and say this is horrible. This is bad. I can't function like this. Or you can position yourself to have a perspective of praise. Then you'll say, God, now that I look at it this way, I actually see that you were in this, right? That whatever happened to you, a divorce, a miscarriage, a lost job, whatever happened, whatever you're walking through, that it actually will serve to advance the gospel. That God is in it and he works all things for our good. What's so powerful is that this actually isn't the first time that Paul is in prison. Because you can read another time in Acts chapter 16 where he's in prison. And how many other times in scripture that aren't even recorded? But this time in Acts chapter 16, we know about Paul and Silas. They were going to their bridge C group, essentially, right? They were going to their house of prayer. And there was this woman possessed with an evil spirit. And when they cast out the evil spirit, a big riot broke out. And they ended up being arrested and beaten by the crowd and then ordered to be beaten and stripped by the religious leaders and the magistrates. And this is what scripture says in verse 22. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now I hope none of you this morning or this week will be stripped or beaten with rods but you may be stripped of your confidence. You may be stripped of your faith. You may be trying to hold everything together and you're trying to find your faith, but you just can't find it. You're beaten down with anxiety, beaten down with depression, beaten down with your doubts. You're doing everything you can to grab the faith, but it just feels so real that you can't press through it. Have you ever been there? Paul and Silas, they did everything right. They were doing everything right, but they were beaten and thrown into prison. And I just want you for a moment to visualize this. Because they were beaten and they're now sitting in prison and they've got maybe a broken nose, a couple broken ribs. They're wiping dried blood off their face. They were severely beaten. And now they're sitting on a cold, hard floor. And you know what they decided to do? They decided to have a worship night. They decided to worship God. It's essentially like us finding out that we have cancer and saying, let's just get together and worship. Or losing our job and saying, let's just worship. Because they trusted God. How did they do that? It's a matter of perspective. Here's what they did. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I want you to notice this, right, because they're still in prison. 
They haven't been released from prison. God hasn't delivered them yet. There's no miraculous provision. There's been no miracle yet. They're still in prison. And God hasn't done it yet. But they're still worshiping him because they weren't praising God in the moment for the what. They were praising God for the who. They weren't praising God for what he does. They were praising God for the nature and the goodness and the character of God. Are you able to praise and worship God when he doesn't do what you're asking him to do? And that's a tough question to ask yourself. Can I still worship God when he doesn't do what I'm praying? Are you praising him for what he does or for who he is? Because Paul leaned over to Silas, and you need a friend that in the middle of your storm says, hey, let's worship, right? Because Paul leans over to Silas and he goes, hey, Si, Si, I was just thinking. And he goes, what, Paul? I was just thinking, man, we're still alive. We've still got breath. Our God is still on the throne. Man, Jesus is alive. Why don't we just give him some praise? He said, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Why don't we just worship him? And I want to tell you the end of the story, verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because the prisoners had escaped, he thought. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sir, what must I do to be saved? And then later on, we can give God some praise for that. He said, what must I do to be saved? And then later on, it goes that his whole family ends up being saved. And now that we see this has served to advance the gospel, That what he went through, this didn't look good. He's in prison. This could be perfect for anxiety, perfect for fear. But instead, they worship God, and it served to advance the gospel. And I want you to know this story because it truly sheds light on why Paul later on could say, rejoice in the Lord always. Because back here in Acts, right, him and Silas were in prison, and he knew what God had done. He'd seen him throw open the prison doors. He'd seen him set them free, and he advanced the gospel. He saw what God could do, but God didn't do it, and Paul still gave him praise because he wasn't praising him for the what. He was praising him for the who. He was praising God for who he was. That brings color to the idea of rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice when he delivers and rejoice when he doesn't because this isn't a praise for the what. It's a praise for the who. It's a deeper type of praise. So let's position ourselves with a different type of perspective. Realize that there is purpose in the pain because Paul's physical position was jail. And I don't know where your physical position may be this morning, what you're walking through, what you're going through, but his mental position was a perspective of praise. And we can do that same thing as Paul did. 
whatever we're going through, we can say, God, use this for your glory. Use this to advance the gospel. I don't understand it. I don't know what's happening, but use this, God, for your glory. Because we weren't created to live in a constant state of fear, right? We weren't lit, created to live in a state of anxiety or depression, but we were truly lit, called to live that best life with Jesus, to live a life of joy, to live a life of freedom. So this morning, step boldly into the peace of God and position your perspective to see that God works all things for good, that he will work out your situation, whatever you're going through, because he has your best interest in mind. If you would stand with me this morning, I just want to pray over you. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads. No one's looking around. Don't let anything distract you. Some of you may be confused, right? You're saying, why do these people have joy? Why can they worship God? What is she even talking about? Rejoice always. What was it that changed Paul's perspective from prison? He said, all of this has happened to advance the gospel. What does the gospel mean? The gospel is a big word that just means the good news. What is the good news? Well, the bad news is that without Jesus, we've all sinned, right? We've all fallen short. We've messed up. And if you're really honest, you might say, I have some things that I'm ashamed of. And I wonder, where do I stand with God because of that? The good news is that God loved you. God loved me so much that he actually became one of us in the person of his son, Jesus. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. It's God in the flesh, the son of God. And he came for people like us, people that are hurting, people that are broken, lonely, fearful, afraid. Jesus didn't leave us there, though. He became sin on the cross, died in our place for the forgiveness of sins. And on the good news, the good news is on the third day, he rose from the grave. And he is here. And our good God raised Jesus from the dead. The tomb was empty so that anyone can call on the name Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Your name will be brand new. And if this is for you, this is your moment to say, God, I need you. Fill the gaps in my hole. Fill the loneliness. Fill the anxiety. I don't want it anymore. Take it away from me. And everyone's eyes are closed. No one's looking. If that is you, if this is your moment right now, I just want you to lift your hand. In Jesus' name, thank you for that hand. Hands going up all over. God, we praise you, Lord. If this is for you, say, Jesus, I need you. We're here for you, God. We trust you, Lord, and we want to give these things to you. We want to lay them at your feet. We don't want to live with the anxiety anymore. Live with the fear, the depression, God. Help us to position our perspective, God. So if everyone would just join in this prayer, we're going to say it together today. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive all my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve Jesus. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.